Workforce Engagement, Episode 12, Beyond Biggest Loser Contests, Creating a True Culture of Health, featuring Mary Pittman from Norfolk Southern. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. The popular weight loss reality TV show, The Biggest Loser, has inspired many companies to hold weight loss contests for their employees. People love the idea of experiencing fast weight loss, and the idea of friendly competition seems fun. But while The Biggest Loser makes for great reality TV, does it make for a great reality in workplaces that are trying to encourage employee wellness and create a true culture of health? Our guest today has worked to go beyond Biggest Loser Contest at her workplace. She is Mary Pittman, the Health Promotions Manager at Norfolk Southern Railroad. Mary, welcome to Workforce Health Engagement. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's a pleasure to be here. Mary, what do you see as the problems with Biggest Loser Contest for employees? Well, I see Biggest Loser Contest as just a quick fix in the name of health and wellness. And there are six problems, six fundamental problems with the Biggest Loser Contest. It's the wrong goal, short-sighted. It creates an artificial environment that's unsustainable. And in the end, there can only be one winner. And then it's back to business as usual and good luck. And that's where the Biggest Losers tend to fail because you can't sustain what you've been doing for a very short period of time at the level that people who end up winning these contests are performing. Now, in the latest season of Biggest Loser, it did a lot, I think, to bring attention to this fact that you're pointing out that Biggest Loser contests have a lot of problems because they are so short-sighted. Correct. And I personally worked with somebody many, many years ago. It wasn't a Biggest Loser contest, but it was just a bet between two employees that um, one can lose a certain amount of weight within 24 hours. And it was amazing to see the extremes to which this person went to prove his point that he could lose it. He might pass out, but he could lose that weight in 24 hours. That's sort of what the Biggest Loser contest is like. It's not about, it's just about winning. Yeah, there's something to having fun, friendly competition. There's something to helping people see some progress. But when there's too much emphasis and there's that biggest loser contest really is does this. It puts so much emphasis on winning that you get all sorts of unintended consequences. Just even I've seen with a few companies some bizarre behavior happening right before the contest where people try to bulk up, especially among the guys, right. really bulk up so they get the just the biggest initial weigh-in as possible. And okay, maybe, I don't know if that's that damaging, but it doesn't get things off on the right start when you're really looking to promote a, a true culture of health. It, exactly. And that's what it comes down to. It's a game versus a lifestyle change. And as manager of our wellness program, we're looking for long-term results. 
The other thing is Biggest Loser Contest focus on pounds. And that's the wrong goal because weight doesn't equate to good health. What equates to good health is typically getting more active and eating healthier. And if you do both of those, then you will see weight loss. Um, So that's where Biggest Loser focuses on the wrong thing. Now, in contrast, we will do activity challenges and people do get a little crazy with them too. But at the end of an activity challenge, chances are your average steps per day will still be higher than when you started that activity challenge. And that's a good thing. And that's maintainable. But weight loss is, is different. And not eating, you know, sooner or later you have to eat. We all have to eat. <laughs> I have a client who, that is in the midst of an annual challenge that they call their global walking challenge. And one of the employees, when I was just there earlier this week, commented, she's a brand new employee at the company, and she is in a, a, she joined this competition with folks right in her work team, and so they're wearing Fitbits and tracking their steps, and it's the first time she's really had that experience of tracking steps and having this this workplace-based competition, and she was extremely excited. She said it's uh, first of all, she has lost weight. She's lost four pounds, really just by adding the walking. And this has only been going on for uh, three weeks so far. So she's probably eating healthier too. But the amount of activity that she's getting, she said she had no no clue how little she was getting before. And just this fact of measuring it has made her a lot more aware. And she doesn't see herself as a competitive person. It's just that sort of group camaraderie and and the awareness that uh, so far she feels like it's going to make a, a permanent difference in her lifestyle. Right. I agree. And we see the same thing with activity challenges. Um, even though, I mean, there will often be, even with an activity challenge, someone who goes to extremes and it's hard to be in that top spot, but you're going to be very aware of where you are and you're going to try not to be in the bottom spot. <laughs> And as a result, you're just going to do more. You're way more conscious. And as she said, most of us don't know how little or much activity we're getting. It surprises me on weekends when I feel like I've been standing all day and going to games and running around with children that I really haven't gotten many real steps in. In the past, I would have thought I'd had a very active day. It feels very active. Yeah, and I I, I wear a Fitbit I'm not actually in competition with any, I'm not tracking against anybody else. So there's no competition there. I don't feel any sort of compulsion to get a certain number of steps like, oh, it's a bad day if I don't get at least 10,000. But I do look down every now and then throughout the day. And if let's say I've only, it's evening and I've only had 9,000, I probably won't run outside and really work hard to get it up to boost it up to 10,000. But if I look down and I see I'm only at 2000 for the day. Well, then I'll make a point. I'll go out even if it's dark out and and by golly, get a half hour, 45 minutes of walking in just to because it just doesn't seem healthy and 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 all that is is creating raising that level of awareness for me. Right. One thing that we have done that I'm very excited about, we've seen a lot of really good results is we uh, put our money into a program called Virgin Pulse. And it's one of Sir Richard Branson's companies. So as you might expect, it's got a really fun attitude. It's similar to 
what you might get from Fitbit, you get an activity tracker. It allows you to sync your steps with your Fitbit if you choose to use a Fitbit. And then employees can earn cash back based on their activity. And a couple of things that are really cool about that program structure is that they have thresholds. So if you wear it at all, you get a certain number of points. If you get 7,000 steps, you get some more points. If you get 12,000 steps, you get even more points. And the maximum number of points is 20,000 steps a day. And employees, if they average about 10,000 steps a day, not even that, they can hit the maximum cash reward for the year. So what I love about that is people don't have to do marathons. And as you've probably seen, given a competition, people will run marathons if that's what it takes to win. So so we're not encouraging, we're not feeding into that because you really can injure yourself doing activity at extremes. Um, And the cash gets people in the program. It gives them motivation throughout the year. It's staged so that they will get a little bit and a little bit more. Um, There are four cash reward levels across throughout the year if they max out. Um, So I think that's great. And then they can do competitions. So And they can do competitions. So I can challenge you and I can challenge our department or I can challenge employees from completely different locations. And we can decide if we want to challenge each other on total steps or active minutes. And now there are other challenges, like I brought my lunch to work today. And those, um, the, it just engages people and it becomes... Um, it just builds these relationships that we could never anticipate and you don't get with the one-offs and the Fitbits. With Virgin Pulse, how do you keep it engaging throughout the year? Are there some big campaigns that happen a few times a year or are you mostly relying on on just sort of these spontaneous organic uh, instances of people challenging each other? They do, as a vendor, they do a great job of regular communication. So they do challenges on a monthly basis. Typically, they're encouraging people to get 7,000 steps, five out of seven days in their challenges. So again, they're not encouraging extremes. They're just encouraging you to get the amount of activity, minimum amount of activity that's recommended for a healthy lifestyle. And In addition, we do a big corporate challenge once a year, and then they do a huge challenge across all of their customers. So um, we're strategizing to figure out how we can do a little bit better this year than we did last year, but we've always been in the top 10. Wow. Now, Mary, you've been at Norfolk Southern since 2006, and I'm wondering, besides Virgin Pulse, what are some of the other things that you've seen, you've tried and that have worked to improve health and, and just build an overall culture of health? Another program that we use is Weight Watchers, and we subsidize the cost of that. I've really become a big Weight Watchers fan as their program has grown and changed. Um, they now encourage eating more fruits and vegetables and getting activity. And that's what the science is saying is the key to sustained health. 
it's not eating low fat foods. It's not eating high protein foods. It's not eliminating carbs. It's just eating more whole foods, unprocessed foods, um, and, and balancing that with activity. Well, let's talk about some of the specifics of that because I've seen different employers try Weight Watchers with more or less success, uh, especially I've seen that be implemented and there's a lot of excitement for maybe six, eight weeks or even a second round and then it, it the interest I've seen die off sometimes so that then they, they end up not renewing it. So how, how first of all, how long has Weight Watchers been going on at Norfolk Southern? Since 2007. Okay, so that's a long time to be sustained. And is it at all of your main locations or one or two, or how does that work? We've got it at three of our corporate offices and two of our rail yards. The two rail yards, one of them is, um, has had two series. The other one kicked off in October 2011, and they've had amazing success. I mean, it has been life-changing. We've had a number of men who have lost 50 or 60 pounds and are keeping it off. They're certainly keeping it off longer than they would with the Biggest Loser contest. And it's been very interesting. I personally have struggled with my weight all my life. And so I I see them and I want to figure out, uh, rather, I know what's coming next. You know, once you get to that healthy weight, you feel great and you sort of relax your guard and then the weight starts creeping back on. You don't feel too bad about it. Next thing you know, you're up five or 10 pounds. You feel awful. You don't want to go in. Um, so it's, I think we've made huge strides in our program and how we try to keep people on track. We've brought a trainer on site to do classes so that we, we've changed the focus from healthy eating to increasing that activity so you can maintain. Um, We have teams who compete in local activity events. The first one was a Halloween 10K. And when I went to the group and said, anyone who signs up for this, I will pay your registration fees. And the first person raised their hand and said, I don't run. And I said, good, because we're not running. We're going to walk. You show up. I'll make sure you finish. And to see the guys after that event, they couldn't believe they had done a 10K. And it just feeds into that momentum. And, and so then next we found a stair climb challenge. And then next we did an 8K for the Children's Hospital. Another program that I'm really proud of is our powertrain program. And... We encourage employees to form teams of 10 or more employees and pick an activity event. It can be either a really fun event or it can be one that supports a nonprofit and train for it and complete it. It has to be something that is roughly a 5K equivalent or greater. So we've had employees do basketball tournaments, bike rides, um, mud runs, and they pick it. So it, they're excited about it. And they also pick the cause. So we've had employees pick events for the Cancer Society, diabetes, autism, um, wounded warriors. And 
the great thing about this is it reinforces our message. So if you are at a diabetes tour de cure bike ride, the message you're going to hear throughout building up to that event is diabetes is increasingly common and the way to prevent diabetes or control diabetes is through diet and exercise. So I don't have to tell them that because the Diabetes Association is telling them that. And they see these people who are affected and it gets you emotionally really engaged and committed and you it's in your face that this could be you. But through activity and healthy lifestyle changes, a great deal of chronic disease can be prevented. And how, at any given location, how many of those challenges in a given year is, seems like the right level? I imagine there's a point where you're overwhelming people. Correct. And we have, I don't think we've maxed out the program yet. We've had about 30 events each year. And I think there are some locations that are not aware of the program yet. The locations that are tend to have, you know, maybe three a year. But it's not to the point where we're like, every month there's another event. Okay, so at any given location, there, there's probably only three or so events being promoted in, in an average year. Right. That makes sense. And the, the company, for all of those, is the company picking up the registration fee? We, I've only done that when we tie it in with the Weight Watchers participants. Okay. Because I see that's going to be a group that would not have otherwise probably participated in these events. And my goal is to remove barriers to healthier lifestyle changes. And once they realize not only can they do it, but they had a really great time doing it, they're going to be more likely to register for additional events in the future. Um, We provide shirts. The other thing we do is if it's an event that benefits a nonprofit, we'll make a thousand dollar donation to that nonprofit in honor of the team. So, they don't get it directly, but they're, if it's a cause that's near and dear to you, you're looking for every penny you can get to benefit. Now, in your rail yards for Weight Watchers, are you holding, you're subsidizing the full or part of the cost, and are you holding that on company time or is that on the employee's own time? They are not penalized for attending, and it's... Um, and they and that's I've seen groups succeed. I've seen um, groups that we've tried to kick off fail when there's too much focus on watching the clock. Um, our our group that's been going the longest, they go in, they have their weigh-ins, they have their meeting, they have meaningful discussions, and they go back to work afterwards. Um, but they're not having to worry about having to get rushed back. Um, but instead, go to the meeting, be engaged, because that's going to be the key to your success. You're going to be a happier, healthier, and more productive employee. And it's amazing to see that, um, their enthusiasm for the company and their enthusiasm for life as they get healthier. So did you say you're, are you paying the full cost of the Weight Watchers fee for them? We pay half. Half, okay. And what happens if the employee, is there any repercussion if the employee doesn't attend, if they miss sessions or if they drop out of the program altogether? No, no, there's not. And that's one reason why we have them pay part of the cost. We want them to have some skin in the game 
but not so much that it's a real deterrent. Mm -hmm. And it causes them to really think about, you know, do I really want to sign up again? Because it's hard. It's very hard. Yes. And are you doing anything for spouses in regards to Weight Watchers? Spouses can participate as well. They also get the subsidy. Okay. And is that is the subsidy available just for the on-site uh, Weight Watchers, or is there anything where spouses could go to like a community-based Weight Watchers? They can go to the local meeting centers, or they can do Weight Watchers online. And, and that applies to all employees because our operations run 24 by 7. So it's important that they have other options. Great. Now, so we've talked about a few things here, especially encouraging people to be active. You've also done some innovative things in terms of helping people eat healthier too, right? Yes. So a couple of things we've done. One is improving the selections in the vending machines and not only putting healthier options in, but pricing them different so that a healthy granola bar is no more expensive than a Snickers bar. Because let's face it, if if the two are side by side and they're exactly the same price or the Snickers bar is cheaper, people are going to go for the Snickers bar. In one of our locations, we've got Lay's potato chips and the regular Lay's may be 80 cents and the baked Lay's are 40 cents. Um, if it's significantly cheaper, they're going to be more likely to try that healthier or lower calorie option. And that's what we want to do. If you can kind of back them away from the Lay's, it's a process. You're not going to automatically get them picking up apples and carrots. But if you can just start getting people off of all of these highly processed foods, um, that's what you want. You want to build new habits. And we were cautioned not to remove all the unhealthy options because then you start having these black market um, <laughs> people selling Snicker bars out of their trucks. And I thought that was really funny and very valid. They'll pay a lot of money for a Snickers bar, but still keep it convenient. And it just adds a little more pain. It creates a little bit higher barrier to getting that Snickers bar. And we've even had 25 cent slots where we may put something in. And as long as that lasts, which usually isn't very long, people can try that healthier option for just a quarter. Okay, so those are some of the snack options. But what about sort of the main course, if you will, where maybe they're, if they're tempted to bring in what would normally be a, a sandwich that is highly processed? Is, is there anything available on site that f for that part of their meal too? You know what, that's a great point. We don't have any on-site cafeterias, but we are, we were just this morning talking about doing a communications campaign to sort of maybe play off the eat this, not that books so that people start thinking about what they bring to lunch and also what they bring to work. Because let's face it, at Halloween time, everybody brings the candy and junk to work because you don't want it at home. It's like, you're not doing us any favors at work either, <laughs> but it's out of control. So at Easter, it's not like somebody's bringing their extra peeps. They're clearly buying a huge multi-pack and buying extras for work. Don't buy extras for work. You know, just save your money, leave them at home. We had peeps one day and peanut butter Easter eggs the next day and a chocolate cake the next. It's like, ah. <laughs> you can't expect people to walk away from that. You've just 
kind of stepping away and celebrate birthdays. That's fine. But it's okay to run out of cake. It's okay to run out of cookies. Keep them the proportions. I mean, the portion size is smaller. You don't have to get rid of it. Just scale it back. That makes sense. And then I kind of interrupted you there. You were about to talk about another food thing that you're doing. Right. But one program that has been very exciting, one program that I'm very proud of, we kicked off some CSA programs, Community Supported Agriculture Programs, in our corporate office. So we're working with two farms. One, we work with around 12 months out of the year, and they deliver vegetables. They're organically grown, they're locally grown, and they're delivered to the office every week. So employees will sign up for a seasonal delivery and the farmer just shows up and then they take it home. So it does a couple of things. It really ups your veggie intake because you learn creative ways to use greens or whatever the seasonal vegetable is. It introduces you to new things. So in the past, maybe your vegetables were tomatoes or corn or things that are staples, but now you're being introduced to things like bok choy and kohlrabi and beets and radishes that I personally never bought in the grocery store, but now I've discovered that I really like them and it doesn't have to be complicated to fix them. I also love that we're supporting the local farmer and that in turn supports the local community. I have to say I've had a similar experience in my own life just in the last year or so with bringing home from from the local farmer's market some veggies that I wouldn't have tried before, chard and kale. And although I'd had spinach and asparagus, suddenly those have become a lot more interesting. And whereas I used to get maybe one or two veggies a day in my dinner, uh, and you know maybe a carrot at lunchtime or something like that, I have gotten to where I'm actually eating big helpings of vegetables th- for all three meals. I mean, I, it's very rare for me not to even not have vegetables at breakfast, something in my eggs, uh, for example. And I've seen that trend of other, like, like I have a client that the whole summer long at their main headquarters, they have basically their own farmer's market. So it's a little different than what you described, but in this case, they actually have a small, like a small version of a, of a farmer's market with stalls and, it, and it's very in a convenient spot for employees so they can go and buy whatever, that they're looking for. But you're talking about almost like an automatic subscription. And so you just, you're going home, the farmer's going to drop off for you whatever is in season that week, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And what's, so can you give us a sense for what that costs for an employee? What are they signing up for? Depending upon the program, it's 15 to $25. So it's, when you buy into a season, it's, a significant chunk of money, but when you look at it on a weekly cost, it's like, well, I would easily spend that at the grocery store and it wouldn't be locally grown, it wouldn't be organic, and it would be the same old stuff. So it's it's very reasonable. So about 15 or $20 per week during the season? Yes. So the challenge then is, it, it seems like a great idea for a corporate office, and then I know the challenge is, okay, so how do you make something like that happen 
out in your rail yards or for manufacturers, how would they make that happen in their manufacturing facilities where it's a little bit of a trickier environment? Right. We have offered it, but it has not been something that more than a handful of people have taken advantage of. And I think part of it is, well, there's, there's just not as much interest in it. And I think that the challenge in those environments is to make smaller steps, smaller changes, such as improving the snack foods. Um, I'm trying to work with some local farms and find a good source for like apples. You know, if we're in the state of Virginia. We we grow apples, really tasty apples. You know, can we make those available to employees so that they try them, they might decide they really like them, and they might buy more at the grocery store. That's exactly what I've been seeing happen with, with some other companies where you, you get out in a lot of these areas and a lot of people have never actually tried really good fruit. They, they kind of only get the, the bulk produce or the, the mushy stuff that you might, if you ever happen to pick one up at your local convenience store, it's not going to be the really tasty stuff. And so I've seen where or we've seen success where we've had just short campaigns where for like a week we have provided free fruit where uh, uh, for the employees to just pick up and they had to stop by like, at, let's say, at the, at the little on-site health clinic. Come to the health clinic and get whatever free fruit we're offering that day. And so they stop in and, and get one and it gets them in the habit of seeing the health coach there. And when we first tried it, there was a lot of skepticism. Oh, they're not going to go out of their way at the at the beginning or end of the day. But it was hugely successful, and and they were asking for it. And so, I, you just who, we haven't measured it to know. Okay, did that change their long term uh, behaviors? But it would be something worth measuring to see. Getting people to experiment like that and try something new, what could it make a difference in a certain percentage of the population's long term diet? Right. And we had a lunch and learn just last week and it was in our corporate office. They're, they're an easy target to reach. Um, we worked with Whole Foods and, and really challenged them to bring in a menu that wasn't off of their normal catering menu and they knocked it out of the park. And it was all vegetables, which was not what I asked for, not what I expected. But I was like, okay, I'm, I'm game. <laughs> and people were receptive to it. it. They had some lentil cakes and some sweet potato quinoa cakes and, and they had brownies. And I could tell that the representative desperately wanted to tell people what was in the brownies. I'm like, don't. <laughs> so as she got through her presentation, she said, oh, and those brownies, what do you think of the brownies? They're very fudgy. They were really tasty, sweet, and they're made out of black beans. Oh. And they were iced. They were iced with some an icing made out of avocados. So they were gluten-free. They were um, vegan, and they were sugar-free. Dates were the source of sweetness. And it, it was just really interesting. It was something that... I don't find that enticing. It's not something I would pay much money for, if at all. But having had it, I was like, well, that was really tasty. You still don't want to eat a whole tray of them, but it was really tasty. <laughs> what a great thing to try. I love it. Yeah, Mary, just to wrap up, could you summarize for us 
why you decided to go beyond Biggest Loser Contest to create this wellness program that you call WellNS and engage people in these multiple uh, avenues and create a, a true culture of health. Okay, sure. We, um, first of all, I will just sort of revisit the biggest loser and, and the issues that I mentioned related to the biggest loser and, and why they're issues and where that contrast with a, a wellness program that focuses on creating a culture of health. First of all, the biggest loser or any weight loss challenge is really the wrong goal. It focuses solely on weight. Weight does not equate to health. Um, it's short-sighted. It focuses on a date. It's all about pounds, numbers on the scale, and a date. And a wellness program needs to be long-term focused. A weight loss competition creates an artificial environment where employees will go to extremes and support or sabotage each other in the name of the contest. Your wellness program needs to create an environment that is supportive, that eliminates barriers, and encourages people to work together. And it's supportive. It, it doesn't have to happen at work. It's something that they can do to engage. They can engage their family too. You know, in the end, we all need to eat. And a weight loss competition. Most habits that people put in place for the course of the competition are not necessarily habits you want to sustain or can sustain. So again, with a wellness program, you want to lay the groundwork for creating healthier changes that people can maintain over time. In the end, the nature of a competition, you have one winner. You've made one person really happy. And a wellness program, you want to see it engage people across the workforce. And what we've seen with our program is that it's created friendships that didn't exist in the past. It's created a great topic of conversation. Our Virgin Health Miles program, people love to say, how many steps do you have? Or challenge each other, beat the boss competitions. And it's all about getting in more walking. We've seen employees... Um, walk to locations where they'd previously driven. So that impacts our vehicle fuel um, and maintenance cost. And we've seen employees go from being sort of negative about the company to being really excited about the company. Um, and great coworkers. It's just, I cannot say enough about that. And that reflects in how they care about the work, their enthusiasm about coming to work, and how productive they are. Um, and finally, the nature of a Biggest Loser contest or any uh, similar contest is that when it's over, it's over. And everybody moves on. And typically that involves a pizza and a beer. And <laughs> that just sets the stage for going right back to what you were doing before. That's not what you want out of your wellness program. What you want with your wellness program is not to lose weight, but to gain health. And our program, we also streamlined it because there's so much jargon and people throw around the term wellness left and right, and they will tag anything as wellness related. It's the current buzzword that everyone wants to latch on to. You need to really focus your program. We focused our program under an umbrella theme of I've got the power because we do have the power. We have the power to impact 
our long-term health and wellness through simple changes. Um, simple to say, simple in the terms of listing them on a slide. They're not easy. It's not easy to quit tobacco. It's not easy to change a lifetime of eating junk food or sweets. Um, it's hard. And that's where wellness needs to stay focused and anticipate where people might be derailed from their progress and have interventions set up to keep them going. So we've focused our program on four things. Knowing your numbers, because if you don't know where you are, it's hard to know where you need to go. If you know you have high blood pressure or high cholesterol, you can address that. If weight is your only issue, don't be fooled. It's, it's not okay to be heavy, even if your blood pressure is okay and your cholesterol is okay, because mechanically, that's still going to be hard on your body over time. Our second topic is quit tobacco. Number one preventable cause of death and chronic disease. And then the last two are, are what I think are the magic bullet. It's eat healthier and be active. You know, it's not getting surgery or getting a pill. It's just walking, putting one foot in front of the other and eating healthier and being more conscious about that as well. And in the end, you've got to make it fun. If you're not having fun, if your employees aren't having fun, it's not going to be sustainable. And that's there's just nothing better. It really, we have a lot of fun with our wellness program and it's just great to hear the stories, sharing the stories, sharing when people have had challenges and maybe a bad week or, or they've relapsed and, and then they've rallied right back because that's life. We're all going to have ups and downs and dips. So you want your wellness program to support people. Well, Mary, you provided a wealth of information where can someone who is curious to find out more or get any details or just stay in touch with what you're doing at Norfolk Southern? You've got a lot of experience. You've been at it since 2006. Where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Sure. We have a webpage as well as uh, they can contact me personally. Our webpage is www.nscorp.com slash W-E-L-L-N-S. And I can be reached at my work email address, which is mary.pitman, P-I-T-M-A-N, at nscorp.com. And I know you're also on LinkedIn, too, so folks can find you there. Yes. Mary Pittman, Health Promotions Manager at Norfolk Southern Railroad. Thanks for joining us on Workforce Health Engagement. Thank you, Jesse. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide the LinkedIn information and web information that Mary Pittman mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash WHE12, as in Workforce Health Engagement Episode 12. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engaging leader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. Workforce Health Engagement is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications, helping midsize and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. 
in several areas, not only health engagement, but also talent management, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. For sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement.